welcome to the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakita McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. And I'm Lakita McGee. You can follow me at Keita McGee on Twitter and at Keita underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this show, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from We Are Regal Radio slash War Media. First, go to our website at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And wherever you can find download your podcast, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. That's War on Anchor. Make sure you search for that as W-A-R-R on Anchor, including the iHeartRadio app. Also, we are on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube at War Media, once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, you can watch us do our thing live. Look alive! Hello! All right. Hello! Hello! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really screwed that up already. <laughs> it's the holiday season, folks, so we're, yeah. we're trying to push it all through. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, well, don't forget to tell your friends, like, and subscribe, and share. Those shares are important. Yes. All yes. right, Sid. So uh, we can try to muster up <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the chance to preview this Bears Vikings game, and you know people are saying those games for all. Well, maybe not all for all the marbles, but both teams are five and seven. Vikings are coming off of disappointing loss to the Bucks, while the the Bears are coming off a of, you know impressive win, albeit against the Houston, the, the very bad Houston Texans team. This is sort of like to keep them in within the thinnest grabs of the playoff picture. So where do you see this game? It's going to come down to the running game once again for both of these teams. I know Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings barely got over 100 yards last week, but Minnesota was playing catch-up all along to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they lost on the road. For the Bears, David Montgomery take out that 80-yard run he had to start the game. He didn't have the greatest of games yardage-wise, but he was effective. But head coach Matt Nagy decided to throw the ball late in the game. Like you said, thank goodness they were playing an awful Houston, Texas team, or else they would have lost that game too. One is going to come down to the running game. Number two, do you really trust Bears offensive coordinator Bill Lazor to – muster up the same game plan as he has been mustering up for the last couple weeks. It seemed to work against Houston, but even though Minnesota's defense is different this time than it has been the last couple years, I'm not sure. I'm at a, at a show-me mode right now. I got to see it for a few few more games. I find it interesting. If you saw the presser where both Laser and Nagy were both talking, it was it's kind of sort of like you know, they were pouring at each other. Who was really doing the play calling? I mean, I'm not like I said, like we said in the Monday podcast. Said I mean, I wasn't impressed with the with the with the Bears' uh, performance. I mean, okay, yeah, you just proved that you're better than the Houston Texans, which who don't have a coach nor a GM. So I'm not. That's not setting the bar very mm-hmm. high. I mean. It's sort of, okay, yeah, the difference is that, okay, Mitch is going to start, whereas Foles will start in their first meeting. And, you know, we'll see how, you know, injuries play in, into it. But, you know, Dalvin Cook, I mean, they kind of were able to contain him for the most part, but Cousins was mm-hmm. able to kind of not make a lot of mistakes. And if you're the Bears defense, that's what you want to do. You want to force Cousins to make those type of errant throws that he's prone to do. 
but I don't think they'll be able to do it. I mean, both these teams are six and seven. This is basically to kind of stay within the, like I said, the slimmest of playoff hopes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the Vikings are going to be upset because they feel like they should have won that game against the Bucks. They left a lot of points on the board. Thanks to their kicker, Dan Bailey. <laughs> Who still has a job. Interesting. <laughs> well, I think because of COVID and everything, you know, if, they, if even they were able to bring somebody else in, they had to go to That's a good point, yeah. yeah. So it was just – it was probably just too much. Although I'm sure Zimmer has them on a short lease. A short lease, I should say. Now it's for the Bears. I mean – you look at the injury situation, you know, Mac, that back of his is still bothering him. I don't know. It hasn't affected him yet, but you got to wonder if at some point, especially in these last few games of the season, you think it will become a factor. I don't, who knows? Um, like the, the, I mean, the Vikings defense, I mean, yeah, a lot of those guys aren't there anymore. You know, Howard and Griffin and those guys, but I mean, it's not like they're, terrible i mean you know kendrick is questionable so he's he's kind of one that kind of makes that defense ghost so that's something to look out for too if he's going to be a huge loss if he doesn't go on sunday yeah absolutely so that's something to look out for too i mean it, it just you know harrison smith is you know he made a couple big stops in their first in, the, in their first meet with the bears mm-hmm. he's still a factor um it's it i mean i i just don't know what where this game is going to go and i just don't my thing is who's going to be effective more offensively will it be the bears or the vikings because you basically you're talking about two sim- similar teams looking that's why we're trying to drop some comparisons <laughs> here it's really no comparison they we're basically talking about the same team same teams here with both with both of these jargonauts those of you listening on the podcast i did the air quotes thing <laughs> <laughs> can mr trubisky have that same performance again without making a mistake uh, will bill laser be allowed to call his game for the second straight week, I I, I don't I, I don't know. I know the Bears have recently had success up there in Minnesota over the last couple of years. I know that the last time they lost up there was John Fox's last year in 2017, their regular season finale. I go back to the first meeting uh, when the Bears, if they just mustered one offensive touchdown, they would have won that game. Mm-hmm. It had to take a Cordell Patterson second half kickoff return to give them the lead briefly before everything fell apart. Now, I, I, I know I'm going out on a limb in saying this, and yet we'll give you our picks uh, next hour. But I'm going out on a limb to say this. I think the Bears' offense will be better. Will it be better than last week's? I'm not sure, but I think it will be better than the meeting back on, in November. Now, how many points will they put up? I don't know, but I think it will be more effective this go-around because they have the confidence to have a little momentum right now. Well, I mean, both – I mean, look, it, it's, it's – yeah, I mean, do I expect them to be better than that first meeting? Yeah, sure, because, again, Trubisky is sort of like the, diff, the difference maker on what that makes that offense go. But at the same time, mm-hmm. though, I mean, it, it's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around how good this offense is. Yes, you saw how effective it could be granted against a not very good Houston defense. Now, mm-hmm. again, we'll see if Kedrick is able to, you know, play for – the Vikings, and I think he's the one that kind of is sort of the facilitator in that defense. So if he doesn't play, I mean, okay, yeah, I'll give the edge to the Bears in that sense. But, I mean, look, Dalvin Cook, I mean, they were able to kind of slow him down a little bit the first time, but you got to think that they're going to want to try to use as much as they can to kind of keep the Bears' offense off the field. Now, if you're the defense, you're kind of thinking, okay, you you were able to kind of tame him in your first means, so we're going to probably make adjustments and such. 
but also it's all about mood too. I mean, the Bears are, you know, they're up and they're they're boasting about, hey, look, this is what we can do. But then you got to, you're going to be facing a mad Vikings team that feels that they should have won at the at Tampa. So it's all about sort of mindset and whose mindset will have the will have the edge in the bigger factor here. You're listening to Second City Sports Weekend Edition, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We previewed the Week 15 matchup between the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Chicago Bears coming up on Sunday. Lakina, one matchup that I'm looking forward to in this game is Justin Jefferson, the rookie wide receiver from Minnesota out of LSU. He's going to be matched up primarily against Kyle Fuller. You know, Kyle Fuller is the best defensive back on the team. I want to see how these two will go at it. And I want to see if Eddie Jackson can pick up his play for the Chicago Bears because he can force a couple of turnovers here and there. I know he's struggled this year, but I want to see if one or both of those players will have huge games for this Bears secondary. Well, you got to think they're due, right? I think that they have, they've had, Mm -hmm. especially Jackson, he's had his struggles all year. And, you know, Philip, you know, Fuller has been, you know, he's been good, not great, but, you know, I, I think they're going to try and maybe sort of slow him, slow Jefferson down a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I like that matchup, too. I, I think it's going to be, like I said, who, it's going to be about trust. Who do you, whose offense do you trust more? Whose defense do you trust more to make the big play? And I think that's going to be the thing that's going to be the difference maker here. Who's going to make that big play to kind of keep their, keep their tid, like, right just on the edge of the playoff, playoff chase? And, you know, you look at the schedules for these, you know, for the next, we know the bear schedule, you know, they play Jackson, they go at Jacksonville after this and they, and they get uh, the Packers at home. But you look at Minnesota schedule, they get the, after the bears, they get new Orleans and they get Detroit. So for both these teams, I mean, if they want to keep the slimmest chances of their playoff hopes alive, neither one can afford to lose this game. Now, again, yeah. Now, oh, oh, I just want to finish this. Uh, now, if you're the Bears, you're sort of wondering, okay, yeah, was if you're a Bears fan, you're probably thinking, okay, is is this a, the team that we expected, the one we saw against Houston, or are we going to go back to the team that we've seen the last six games after, before that with all the losses, with those, last, those six losses, those six straight losses? If you're a Bears fan, you better hope not is, that it's not fool's gold. Same thing for um, Minnesota, even though, like you mentioned, they lost a tough one last week. It's an elimination game, let, let's just say it here, for who, who who has the most pressure. I think it's the Bears because you started the year 5-1. and one. You had that six-game losing streak. You still have a better chance than the Minnesota Vikings of making the playoffs. You have a better schedule in your favor than Minnesota. What did I say before in our previous show, Lakina, before the start of the season? If the Bears were right there, the schedule in December should come back to ha- should come back to favor them if they were in striking distance of making the playoffs. Despite what's happened for the last month, they are still right there. They have to win out. And hopefully, Arizona lose one of their remaining three games. So I think the pressure is more on the Bears, especially after you started the year five and one. Well, you know how I feel about it. Even when they got to that five and one start, I told people, and we look, we all told them. I said, look. This is mm-hmm. oh, we don't know how good this team is. I mean, I don't know how the hell they're still in it, but they're they're mathematically they are. I look, I don't want them to make the playoffs because I want changes made. I'm sorry, I'm gonna put yeah. it out there because I, I look, this team's not good enough to be in the playoffs. This team's not good enough to be, you know, whatever my contend for a Super Bowl or an NFC Championship. I don't think this team shouldn't even be making the playoffs because the team the way it's, the way it's constructed right now, it's not it. 
they're not up there with New Orleans. They're not, they're not up there with the Packers, although those teams have their flaws too. Um, you know, I'm not saying they don't, but I think that if out of all of it, I think the, the consistency of the offense is what worries me. And the, the defense has shown that they have their struggles too. So I don't, I don't want this team to make the playoffs. I don't. I want changes. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're the McCaskies, you would wipe a big sweat off your forehead should this team make the playoffs. But like you said, Lakina, whether they make the playoffs or not, changes should be ahead for, for those guys in Hallis Hall. Now, before we move on, Lakina, assuming that the Bears will make the playoffs, do you think that they're better than the Washington football team overall? Because it looks like that team is going to win the NFC East. Well, I think they're, they're kind of like right there on par with them, I think. Okay. I think. I mean, they're both, the both their front severs are really good. I mean, their offense, you know, they've been up and down. I mean, you know, the struggles, you know, Alex Smith, we'll see if he's able to play on on Sunday. But I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they're right. If they do end up playing Washington, if they in all the, the scenarios and all the parameters, but I don't think they're, they're kind of on par. I'll say that. And also, and that, that, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was you know, getting ready to say that's a fair assessment right there because they may have to play them in the first round or they may have to play Seattle in that first round. But we'll get to all that should that become a pass in the next couple of weeks. Let's move on to college football, Lakina. You know, some ball games have been postponed. We still have a, a full slate of interesting headlining matchups is it, it, now that is conference championship Saturday. We'll start local here at 11 o'clock on Saturday on Fox live from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's the number 14th ranked Northwestern Wildcats taking on the number four seeded Ohio State Buckeyes. Two years ago, Lakina, Northwestern and Ohio State met up in the conference championship game. Northwestern kept it close. Ohio State blew it open in the fourth quarter, and there they went for the Big Ten title. Do you see the same scenario repeating itself, or do you think Ohio State is going to come out with all guns blazing and dominate from start to finish? I think both could happen. <laughs> I think, <laughs> look, I, I think the rest has got a really good defense. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to blow. I don't think they're going to get blown out by Ohio State out the water, but I think. I, I think it's going to be close for a little bit, but I think the you know, Ohio State's going to show that they have better talent, and that'll probably win out. And I think they're going to be hungry too. The Buckeyes will because they didn't, they didn't get a chance to play against their and their rivalry game against Michigan last week. So I think they're going to be ready. I think they're going to they feel as though that maybe you know cement your spot in the playoff by beating Northwestern, you know, a ranked team pretty handily. So I think Ohio State will win going away handily. For the Northwestern Wildcats, quarterback Peyton Ramsey, although he's had a good year, uh, he kind of got back on track last week in in the game against Illinois, which they that was the first game they played in a couple weeks because a couple of their opponents, uh, i.e. Minnesota, was battling COVID. But the running game for, for Northwestern, in particular Isaiah Brower and Drake Anderson, they have to show up as well and put pressure on that Ohio State defense. Now, going back to Peyton Ramsey for a moment, he cannot, 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 cannot turn the ball over. I'm, I'm, in my memory right now is going back to that Michigan State loss from a few weeks yeah. ago. That offense did not play well. They were, they had a chance to win that game. They almost were coming from behind in that last quarter against the bad Spartans team. They cannot fall behind, like you mentioned, Lakina, against the better Ohio State team. That's a national championship 
contending team right there. You cannot afford to fall behind 14, 21, 28 points because if that happens to start off the game, it's over. But I'm with you. I think Northwestern will keep it close, but they got to have a strong running game, and that Northwestern defense has to come up with at least two to three turnovers to stay in. Yeah, I mean, look, Patty Fisher has to, you know, try to pressure Justin Fields up front. It's a tall task. You know, Brennan Joseph, who leads the team in five interceptions, he needs to have a big game, too. It's a tall task against that Ohio State offense, but if Northwestern can keep it close, I think they have a, they have a decent shot, but I just don't see it happening. I think they'll I think they'll keep it sort of close, but it's all about Justin Fields for Ohio State Lakina offensively. As he goes, the Buckeyes go. Of course, they had a little bit of a better team a couple of years ago when J.K. Domas was on there, but now it's all on Justin Fields' shoulders. If he has a good game, I think Ohio State will, will win it convincingly. I think it, I think I'll fall. I'm with you that Ohio State will win, even though I'm sure it's hard as hell for Northwestern here. But realistically, I think somewhere in between is going to happen. I think Ohio State, I don't think they'll be as dominant as people think they will be. I can see them win this game by 17. The final score will be different if someone didn't watch the game. Yeah. So I, I definitely can see that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, this probably won't be posted until you know, after this game is finished. But even still – Oregon versus USC for the Pac-12 title. Now, unfortunately, they the Oregon got in and view of Washington. Washington's having COVID issues too, so they mm-hmm. had to, um, you know, had to not you know had to skip the game. So now Oregon gets in in their place, fresh off his contract assistant head coach Mario Cristobal. Where do you see this game? Because USC, yes, they're undefeated, but no one's really talking about them for the playoff. I mean, Oregon, they've had a couple of losses you know, early on, but they can kind of sort of finish up, you know, finish the season strong. So where do you see this game? I think it's going to come down to the passing game. Kadan Slovis for USC has over 1,600 yards and 15 touchdowns for the year. Uh, he's been impressive for the, for the USC Trojans team. Uh, the the running backs for both teams will be will be huge in this game as well. Drake London for USA he has only three total touchdowns, but he has over uh, uh, he has over um, 400 yards receiving rights. Excuse me, uh, he's going to be huge. But for the running game, well, let's go back to Oregon and Travis Dye. He has one touchdown, but he has 336 yards for the year. Oregon must keep USC's defense off balance. If they can do that, they'll have a strong shot. But I think USC has a little bit better momentum right now, and I'm going with them. I'm not going to say going away, but they'll kind of sort of be close. I can see about at least 10 to 15 points. Call me crazy. I will say, don't be surprised. This is is I mean a high scoring affair. Just saying. yeah, <laughs> they, they, oh, this has been sort of like a you know, slugfest between these two teams the last few years, especially. So I can see it being a kind of a high scoring. I know you you also will probably end up winning it, but this mm-hmm. if it's like thirty five to thirty two or something like that, or like thirty five to thirty two to twenty nine or something like that, don't be surprised if we've seen these who've seen these two teams play the last few years. So I wouldn't, you know, don't be surprised if that is a being that kind of score. <laughs> All right. Um, next up here, you got the got the Big 12 title. You got Oklahoma and Iowa State. Where you see this game? That's an 11 a.m. matchup on ABC tomorrow. I have Oklahoma here. Uh, Spencer Rattler has been playing, as you know what, off all year, over 2,500 yards and 24 uh, total touchdown passes. I think he's going to be the key. Iowa State, KU, 
uh, get him off his off his heels and can create a, a turnover too. If you can do that, you can stay in this game. I don't know if Iowa State can do that. We all know that they can score points as well, but can your defense come up with a big player or two? Uh, that's a big question mark for me into this game. I know Oklahoma has revenge on their minds because they lost to Iowa State early in the year. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, Rattler's been playing better. That offense as a whole has been playing better. That defense actually has been pretty good. That's been sort of the thing with, like, Riley's team since he took over. His defense, unfortunately, has given up a lot of points. But they've done just enough. And Iowa State, you know, Mike Rose, who's their, you know, Iowa State's defensive player of the year. I mean, if, you gotta, if the offense mm-hmm. kind of keep him off balance, then I think they've got a shot. Oklahoma has a shot. And, and also, too, I think this is going to be one of those, one of those games where who will, be, who will take more advantage of the other's mistakes. And I think it was a slugfest the mm-hmm. first go-around. You know, Iowa State was able to, you know, to pull that off. But I think Oklahoma, it will be a slugfest again, but I think Oklahoma will just enough to, to kind of you know, get their revenge. I agree. All right. The ACC championship will be after that game, Notre Dame and Clemson. Probably two teams that probably already have their 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 positions sort of lined up for the playoffs. But which scenario do you see happening? I see Clemson winning this ball game, kind of sort of going away. But I think Notre Dame will be up to the challenge. Trevor Lawrence, who did not play in that in that first meeting back in early November, he's now back for the Clemson Tigers. He's leading that offense at quarterback. Uh, uh, Ian Brock has had a nice year for the Fighting Irish, but. I don't know if he can live up to the challenge once again. I think Trevor Lawrence being back in that lineup for Clemson should help the Tigers win. But even if – maybe it depends on how Notre Dame loses. If they lose a close one, maybe they'll still be in that playoff picture. But if they get blown now, do you really see the committee uh, throwing them up there in the top four? I don't. Maybe I'm just looking at it the wrong way. I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're – Especially if they end up winning, if Clemson wins by like 20 or 20 points or more, if you're the committee, you know, you're going by eye test here, of course. Do, mm-hmm. do you, can you really in good conscience? Because people forget, you know, now, excuse me, not only was Trevor Lawrence not there, but Clemson was out their top two def- defenders. They're all back now for this matchup, you know, with the week off and whatnot. So that's going to, I think we're going to see how big of a difference that is. And I would be surprised if Clemson ends up being Notre Dame handily. Now will they? Well, now will they? Will they? You know, kick them out of the playoff, Notre Dame. I mean, because of it, I don't know. But I mean, it'll be interesting. But I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson ends up being Notre Dame pretty handily. I wouldn't be surprised either. Expect the Clemson defense to set the tone early. If they do, it's going to be a long day for the Fighting Irish. Absolutely. Now we're going to go kind of off off the you know, the Power Five here. You got Boise State and Santa Jose Santa Jose State for the Mountain West. Boise State, this is their fourth straight trip, and all, you know, also for San Jose State, this is their first trip. So I know you probably don't watch a lot of Mountain West, but I know you No, I don't. Them. You're an expert here. <laughs> well, I mean, well, look, I mean, they've, you know, they've had their, both these teams have had interesting rivalries. It's actually been even. It's actually been even the last couple of times they played, so... I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. Brent Brent Brennan, who is this head coach over at San Jose State, has done a great job those last few years. So, I, I mean, this could be one of those. This could this could be a toss up here. And I think look, Boise State. This is sort of a struggle. This is their struggling, <laughs> but they just have to win their division in the Mountain West. But mm-hmm. I would be look. I mean, I think San Jose State will be the will be winners for Mountain West for the first time. I'm, I'm cheering for them. I'm cheering for the Spartans. These Spartans. <laughs> 
Well, they are favored by six and a half points, and the over-under number is 55 and a half. Right. So I think, they'll, I think they'll be able to win it, though. I think they will. It'll be the, it'll be the first time winning you know, the championships to join the Mountain West. So good for – and, you know, Brett Brett has been a, done a great job with that program. So just, just amazing what they, he's been able to do the last few years. All right. The SEC championship. You got Alabama and Florida in Atlanta. Go. <laughs> Alabama's favored by 17 points. The over-under total here is 74 and a half points. I think Alabama can score 74 points in their sleep. <laughs> mm. But with that being said, I know Florida lost a, a big home game to the LSU Tigers. Lamont, shout out to Lamont, his LSU Tigers. I think that stunning loss at home last week is going to carry over to this game. If they would have won it, maybe I would have given them a shot to maybe stay in it. Maybe that will still happen, but Alabama is just too strong. So I'm going with the Clemson Tide for, for the SEC title. They should win this game handily. I think it's going to be close, though. I think uh, – call me cookie here, but I think – Florida, they're not going to be in a very good mood after what happened against LSU, especially they lost at home when they should have won that game. But uh, like I think Alabama will win, pull away. I think sort of the same. I think the same scenario as, as with Clemson and Notre Dame. I think it'll be close, but I think Alabama's going to – their talent, gonna, they're going to pull away late, I think. I yeah, know. watch out for Najee Harris, uh, the running back for the Crimson Tide. He uh, has over 100 uh, – sorry, 1,000 yards for the year in, in – and 22 total rushing touchdowns. He's going to be the key to lead that Crimson Tide offense. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that this will be – this will definitely be sort of a showcase game for Bryn Jones and the rest of that that Tide offense, I think. All right, you got – also, last but not least, you got the American Athletic Championship. You got the top two teams in that conference. You got Tulsa and Cincy. I know since he's been the surprise, one of the surprise teams in college football all year, they're 8-0. and Of course, Tulsa sneaks in there at 6-1. and I'm going with Cincinnati uh, right here. I'm looking at their quarterback's numbers. Desmond uh, Ritter, Ritter yep. he has over 1,800 yards and 16 touchdown passes. And, and looking at their running back, uh, Jerry uh, Dokes, yep. he has over 660 yards and seven touchdowns. I think it's really going to come down to the running game for the Bearcats. The cardiac, the cardiac hurricanes, as I called, uh, <laughs> Tulsa, because, you know, they've had you know, a couple of comebacks. You know, had to come back from down, I think, like, they like 10 points in, like, a couple of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the quarterback, Zach Smith. Also, Derek Denerick Prince, I should say. That's, he's their, their <laughs> running back. You know, he's had a pretty good uh, year, too. So, Zayvon Collins is sort of like a one-man crew on that defense. So, this, mm-hmm. could, be, this, could, be one, this could be a defensive struggle. Who knows? But... I, I'm gonna pick Cincy because they're playing in Cincy because you know they're the they're the higher uh, higher ranked team and also with the better record so that's why they're 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 playing in Cincy they're not playing in neutral site so it's gonna be close should be a fun one too it's, it's gonna get the prime time treatment on ABC at seven o'clock so I'm shocked by that I'm, I'm sure they didn't put uh, uh the SC the sorry the um ACC championship against the SEC championship which is airing on CBS at the same time. I'm surprised uh, ABC didn't do that. It could That's be, just me. Uh, well, oh, God. No, no, no. It hasn't always been the afternoon. I know there were, like, there were a couple of times when Clemson played in the AC championship game. It was in the prime. It could be, it could be a scheduling thing, maybe. Maybe with the, with the arena that they're playing in, the stadium they're playing in, maybe they could only – they probably want to do kind of like a, 
an afternoon game instead of maybe doing a primetime game. It could be a scheduling thing to maybe give the American a chance to have a, a showcase game. You know, get a chance to check out that Cincy. Cincy might be playing a New Year's Six game. So that, might, that could be it. Could all just be like television purposes, I guess. You know how they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Everything is ruled by television and money. Yeah, and a bummer that this game will not be played. You know, in the Sun Belt, you got Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. Both these teams are ranked. It's unfortunate that because of because of COVID, with you know, in the Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. program, they're not going to be able to play. So, I mean, if you're, gosh, you you better hope that Cincy wins because if you're the committee, you you know, if you know Cincy loses, then you're kind of stuck having to you know bring in Coastal Carolina team. They may not be able to play. Yeah, I was going to say Coastal Carolina is not going to play their game this weekend. That's really a bummer for that program. They've been the other surprise team in college football this year. Yeah. Yeah, just just unfortunate. So we'll see what happens there. Some games, some other games that have been, have been canceled. Michigan and Iowa. Michigan is still having problems with COVID. Uh, Vanderbilt and Georgia, within their programs, there's some COVID issues there. No Florida State. Or and uh, Wake Forest also. Sorry, said no Miami and Georgia Tech. I know, I know. Yeah. But maybe it's a good thing because they got that butts kicked by North Carolina last week. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so. So yeah, I mean, so for a good, you know, good slate of championship Saturday in, in college football. So, you know, there's some some bummers of some you know. Some games that had to be canceled, but we still got still got a great slate of games here, and also the Rose Bowl. I mean, they're they're having you know problems too. We the, right before we get to the NBA, they're not going to be there's not going to be any uh, fans in the stands. There's not going to be anybody in the stands for that matter, mm-hmm. but because of you know the county restrictions, the LA county restrictions. But now there's some people that are saying that maybe they should move the game because they may not be able to hold with everything going on with COVID. So where do you where do you think where do you think state? What's your opinion on what things stand? In the with the Rose Bowl is concerned, as far as that can, that is showing. Last time I checked, isn't the Rose Bowl part of that four bowl game uh, national championship uh, playoff rotation? Yep. Even though there won't be any fans in the stands this year, they're gonna find some way to play their game. No, there won't will not be any fans in the stands. We understand that, but they'll find the way to play their game somehow. If they have to move it a day uh, to back or ahead or whatever, they will do it. But I, I, call me crazy unless something catastrophic happens. I see them playing this game on New Year's Day. Yeah, I know. I've seen a lot of people say, move the game, move the game. But the, it's not that simple, folks. I mean, do you, do you know exactly. how much, you know, they got to pay fees and stuff like that. And also all the other stuff, you know, have to move things. So I just don't see that happening either. So I think they'll end up playing it. It's going to get played. And unfortunately, you know, it's going to be – Look, it's not gonna, you're not going to have fans in the stands. There won't, there won't be no Terminal Roses parade. There won't be no pomp and circumstances that we're used to seeing. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's how – look, nothing's, nothing's, nothing's normal this year. We should know this. So why should the world exactly. be any different? All right. You're listening to Second City Sports Weekend Edition along with Miss Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. As we now wrap up our first segment, uh, talking about the Chicago Bulls in the NBA preseason as it wraps up this weekend as of this broadcast. Of course, the Chicago Bulls will play the Oklahoma City once again tonight. But let's review their last game from Wednesday. Lakina, the Bulls defeated the Thunder to move to 2-1 and one in the preseason by the score of 124-103. to 103. Kobe White led all scores with 27 points for Chicago. He had five rebounds, three assists. 
Al Horford led the Thunder with 15.7 rebounds and one assist. Lakina, we talked about this a little bit in our last podcast. And then again, before we started recording today, Patrick Williams for Chicago. Yes, he's a rookie. Yes, it's going to take him some time, but watching highlights from the last preseason game, and I said this a little bit that I was asking him to do from the game last Sunday against Houston. I want to see him be more aggressive offensively. It seems like he's starting to do that now. Well, he's showing you why he was sixth man of the year in the ACC, and that's not a small mm-hmm. feat. And that's a look, that was a pretty deep Florida State team he played on. The fact that he was able to kind of, you know, step out and, you know, be kind of like the guy there, I think that helps a lot. Look, I think if he can show you what he's been showing you, I think he could be a star here in this league. I mean, he's he's a big guy. He can play, you know, front court, and he also can play center, too, if you need him. So, mm-hmm. I think, look, if he can keep this up, I think you might you may see him in the starting lineup. Who knows? Look, Billy Donovan, especially with a short preseason, he's going to be playing around with different all different combinations to sort of, you know, see, okay, what works, what doesn't work. I mean, look, Kobe White was 11 for 17 from the field. You know, had 27 points, like you said, to mm-hmm. lead all scores. Look, I like what I see for Kobe. I'm liking what I'm seeing for this team. I think I think I'm seeing fans sort of like you know kind of walk off the ledge a little bit. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit crazy, but look, you know, Kobe was five for eight for a three pointer. Um, Zach Levine mm-hmm. was three for six. You know, he was fifty percent from three. So I, I think, look, I don't look. We're not we're not asking them to be play be uh, East contenders. It's going to be hard. But I think if they could be kind of like right there, sort of like in the cusp of, you know, that that play-in, play-off game, however they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think, look, this is going to sh- – this is sort of like a show-me mode with, you know, with Coach Donovan. He's going he's gonna to want to see – also, too, with AK and Mark Eversley, okay, who can we build around? Who's a team that we can, we can use to sort of build for the future? And I think, look, if they play like this, I mean, look, it's going to – and also make it sort of, you know, look good for potential, potential free agents. I mean, you got to think that the free agency is going to be a little more robust after this season, hopefully with, you know, COVID, you know, sort of worn off and things mm-hmm. recovering. So I think that's, this is what you want to see if you're a Bulls fan. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Lakina, that they have – sorry about that. As the Bulls, you're starting no to see signs of hope for the future. I, uh, I'm, I'm worried about the present in particular two players, and we talked about these players in our last podcast, Lori Marketing and Wendell Carter Jr. I need both of those guys to, first of all, stay healthy. Number two, their stats need to improve. Now, I'm not going to overreact too much because this is a preseason. It's a short preseason. But looking at the box score from the other night, yes, Marketing had 11 points, but he only struggled – he struggled from the field, four or fifteen shooting, including two of nine from three-point range. That's not going to get it done, including a, only making one to four free throw attempts. That's not going to get it done. Randall Carter Jr., who I like a lot, but uh, his short career has been marred by injuries as well. Uh, he, I know Billy Donovan is giving him the green light to take uh, three-point shots. He was 0 for three the other night, but as I said before, Wendell Carter Jr. He's going to be even better, I think, defensively, but. I want to see him take a couple more steps in becoming that complete player offensively. I think it will eventually happen. First of all, he has to stay healthy, but I want to see him gain his confidence back because I think that's what it is for both of these guys right now is confidence. 
I, I just need uh, Wendell Carter to not play center because that's where he, he's out of position. He does not – I agree, yeah. He's been struggling. He's still struggling. He was over three from three-pointer. And, look, I think he has the game to do it. I think he just needs to find a position for him. He's more of a – he's more mm -hmm. of a forward than – a big forward than a center. So, I think – I think people need to kind of – See, my bad. See, we're both, we're both, <laughs> we're both kind of yelling. Know, but, <laughs> but look, I mean, look, I, I think he needs to be uh, more of a, more of a center. He, I mean, less of a center, more of a forward. I mean, he's, that's just not his position. So I'm a little worried about that. Um, Laurie Markin is another guy I'm kind of worried about. I mean, I, he's, you know, he's a seven footer play trying to be a power forward. And again, that's not it. I think Carter and him need to switch positions. Maybe they'll have better luck. I'm hoping that, mm -hmm. you know, Coach Donovan and the rest of the staff realizes that. But, look, I mean, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing so far. Chandler Hutchinson was a big surprise. Scored 11 off the bench. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. So, the consistency yeah. there. I mean, Gafford, you know, made some big plays, defensive plays, too. So, I don't know. I mean, I look, I'm, I'm kind of like sort of – I think Bulls fans need to kind of like kind of temper their expectations a little bit. It's just, it's just, mm -hmm. just see what you got. Just see what you have. This is sort of a see what you got year, I think. Yeah, like I said before, this is what this year is all about in 2021. What do you have going forward? Who's going to stay here moving forward as you become, hopefully become a playoff team and ultimately a championship team? Of course, this team is at the bottom, so they had to work their way up. Now, highlighting a couple of guys, as you mentioned, Lakina, Daniel Gafford, uh, he did well the, uh, the other night, especially scoring-wise, coming off the bench with eight points. And he did have a, a big a block shot down the stretch there. Eight minutes of actually had five points. Chandler Hutchinson had 26 minutes. He scored 11 points, as you mentioned. I want to see what he has in store as far as this season is concerned. And Aldo Porter Jr., he's starting to climb up just a little bit. He still has a little long ways to go because he hasn't played uh, that much as he's been in the Bulls uniform the last couple of years. But hopefully if he can stay consistent, I think he'll get more playing time. Will he be in the starting lineup? I doubt it as of right now, as you mentioned, because heck, Head coach Billy Donovan is playing with the different combinations and and just starting lines for in that factor. But Otto Porter Jr. could be huge for this team if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I think that's a key too, right? And also, he's playing mm -hmm. for a contract, so yes. of course he's going to do his. That best should be all stuff. motivation in, in itself. Yeah, I mean, that, I think he's really going to try and stay healthy. All the more reason to that he's going to try and stay healthy. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm thinking. Look, I think. We just need consistency from him. I think he'll get that payday, although I think someone's going to pay him regardless of what he does as long as he stays healthy. But I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by what, what's happening with him. I think, look, I think he's kind of showing you that, okay, maybe he could be right there for, for you know, to be sort of like near that, that second-tier guy off the bench. And also, so, again, he can get that payday. <laughs> yeah. Our, so who else has impressed you so far, Lakin, in the NBA preseason? If you had a chance to catch it, I've watched a couple of games. You know, look, Steph looks like himself again. <laughs> he looks like he hasn't missed mm, a beat. Yes, since he does. Year. I mean, that, that's that's a little scary though. If you're in the Western Conference, <laughs> you know, 29 points. You know, in last night's game against Sacramento. I mean, that. Oh my gosh, that that they you know, and he was off, and he was off what for months, like everyone else was. So the fact that he was able mm -hmm. to come, he's been able to come back and look good. Look, I mean. Dylan Dylan Books looked really good, and then for Memphis in the last playoff game, in the last you know game preseason game, I should say, mm -hmm. James Wiseman actually looked pretty good too in that game last night against Sacramento for Golden State. I think the top. I want to see how he does, especially offensively. Even though Clay Thompson's not going to be there, I want right, to see how right. Wiseman does offensively because uh, I think they would have drafted him anyway. Even if Clay Thompson didn't right. get hurt. 
Uh, the, you notice the Warriors haven't had a mobile big man that to, can score in, on the inside since David Lee, and he was part of that 2015 championship team. They haven't had a mobile guy who can uh, score inside like that in a long time. Oh, yeah, that's just, I think that's why – I think they were going to pick him. I was one of those folks that felt that he, they were, he was going to get picked there regardless of what happened with Clay. Yeah. I think he's like, like you said, they haven't had that kind of, like, big man that could score and score to three since David Lee. So, look, Wiseman feels fits that bill. I mean, I would thought maybe mm -hmm. he'd be a little bit rusty since he hadn't played in months, you know, of course, for various reasons, for obvious reasons. <laughs> we won't hash that, <laughs> but – we'll rehash that, but – he looks really good. I mean, I think if he could be sort of like that facilitator on the inside, that way you don't have to depend on stuff much on the outside. I think he can kind of be mm -hmm. that guy. And I think, I think that's why Kerr and the rest of the front office and, and Golden State wanted him. Oh, and uh, Hugh for Houston. I think Houston's look pretty good too. Um, I mean, I don't look. I don't know. I know that there was this. There was a rumor that came out last night that they may hard mind them going to Philly for Ben Simmons. Again, we don't, you know, nothing's imminent. <laughs> I mean, look, like I said, like I said before, nothing, nothing's imminent at this point. Yeah. So I'm, look, I'm going by what everyone else is, what uh, Shara Sharma yeah, and yeah, Shelburne yeah. have said. But I mean, look, John Waller, he hasn't, hasn't skipped a beat. Um, you know, I mean, Eric Gordon looked really good. I mean, James Harden, I think he's, you know, not looking like Rick Ross. Like, that's, a, that's, I'm glad that's, <laughs> look, I'm glad that, you know, sort of one of those things there. But I mean, I don't, I don't know what to think of Houston. I mean, do I see them perhaps maybe try to get maybe the Simmons and sort of try to make, make a playoff push? I don't know. If Harden's unhappy, is that going to be a nuisance all season? Who knows? But we'll see. Toronto's look really good this preseason. Um, I kind of I, I kind of like what I'm seeing from Toronto. I think Toronto kind of feels like a bad taste in their mouth for losing in the playoffs, in the bubble. So I think they're kind of sort of on a mission. Mm -hmm. Um, who, who, who have you impressed? Who, who's impressed you so far? Uh, Blake Griffin season. getting in a fight the other night. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> How about that, right? It's, it's about the playground there, like back in the ding, day. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> My goodness. Go on YouTube, uh, folks. Go on YouTube, yeah. folks, if you wonder what we're talking yes. about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Phoenix a little bit with Chris Paul and Devin Booker with limited action. I think they're a playoff team. We'll have more uh, on the, on these teams when we do our next podcast coming up next week. But Phoenix has impressed me a little bit. Denver, I watched a little bit of oh, that yeah. action the other night uh, against Portland. Uh, Manu Ball, the late Manu Ball, his son Ball Ball, shooting a couple of threes just like his old daddy did from back in the day. That was nice to see. Yeah, it, it was really great to see. And I, but look, I hope he does well. I mean, his his dad was a uh, was such a an, an, a great player and an amazing. Uh, so it's a best ambassador for the uh, for the league. So, I mm -hmm. mean, I, I, I kind of another team that's impressed me is uh, I would have to say the Lakers. I mean, even though they're they're playing, sorry, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> real life, real life. I tell you, I'm sorry, folks. Sorry, folks, who will be listening to this on the uh, on the or watch this on YouTube. But uh, sorry about that. Uh, but. <laughs> got thrown off here but uh look i mean the lakers is, even though they they've been playing most of their b team essentially that b team's that b team's look really good sid i mean mm -hmm. I, they're showing a lot of depth there and look we probably won't see the braun too much he's probably gonna end up playing like maybe what two thirds this season because of you know the fact that they just didn't play that too long ago and also because of his age but kyle kuzma's looked really good mm -hmm. um you know, although Marcus Gasol kind of concerns me a little bit, I'm a little concerned about that. But Montrezl Harrell to show you why he was sixth man of the year last year. So I'm I'm actually impressed by the Lakers and what I've seen so far from them. 
Real quick before we uh, close out this segment, I want to get your thoughts about Giannis Antetokounmpo, the ah. superstar for the Milwaukee Bucks. He signs his five-year super max deal worth $228.5 million. Uh, if he didn't sign before the season started, he would still had to uh, had the choice to sign it up uh, at the beginning of free agency all after the season of, over the summer. Were you surprised that he signed it, quote, unquote, this soon? Do you, or did you think that he would have played out the season and, uh, and wait to see what happens? I think he's – I thought he was going to go with the latter. I thought he was going to be – wait till the season goes, see if maybe they go far, maybe they made it back to the finals and such. I think that's probably – I'm kind of surprised that he, you know, signed – we signed, signed his ascension as quick as he did, but I think he mm-hmm. wants to show people that – he is committed to playing in Milwaukee, and he wants to see where it goes, you know, building a potential championship contender. I can kind of see it. I mean, look, look, we talked to our good buddy, Caitlin Sharkley, who, who covered Giannis for a few for years before she came mm-hmm. here. Of course, you know, Fox News Chicago, you know, now, but she was working at, in, oh, up in Milwaukee be- beforehand. So she said that, look, you know, she's ac- he's actually one of the nicest guys, so I'm actually mm-hmm. not surprised. Actually, we actually shouldn't be surprised that he went this route by signing early as he did, but I would have thought maybe he would probably would have played out the market a little bit. But, you know, I think this shows this shows Bucks fans that he is committed to playing there. Also, they just got to deliver a champ, help him deliver a championship and help build around him. Yes, even though Milwaukee Bucks management can breathe a sigh of relief, but they still have work to do. One, they have to uh, – it's not a question of if, it's a matter of when, W-H-E-N, when – they get rid of head coach Mike Bullenholzer. I'm not a big fan of his. Go back to what happened two years ago in that Eastern Conference final series against Toronto, especially blowing a 2 nothing series lead. And, then, of course, last year they weren't tough enough against a very good Miami team that reached the NBA Finals. So that's the next order of business they have to do is look for a new head coach and, and put a better talent or uh, a talented group, especially a few guys with some toughness around Giannis. Because the Eastern Conference folks this year, like I said, we'll get more into it in our next uh, episode coming up next week, but this Eastern Conference is no joke. It's not it's not the LeBron James bad Cleveland Cavaliers led Eastern Conference anymore, folks. This is a brand new day. Also true, look, true holiday. He's been to a couple of uh, All-Stars. He is terrific, but he's just, you know, he's not that number two guy that, that you know, Giannis needs to kind of be that guy. So to be his, 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 uh, his Batman to, you know, Gian, you know, Giannis is Batman to his Robin. He's just not like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that maybe the Bucks can kind of invest in getting that a true number two guy to be, you know, around Giannis and sort of let's say, so that Giannis won't have to do so much. So that's the thing I'm, that's the thing I'm kind of worried about if you're a Bucks fan. So, but you got a little bit of time now. He's, you know, Giannis is trying to, he's committed. So we'll see what happens. All right. All right. So that's our, <laughs> sorry, sorry about this, folks. But uh, you know, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're, apparently, we're gonna have a surprise guest, you know, coming up on the, the second half hour. Also, we'll have our NFL Week 15 picks, Sid. Yes, and I'll ask you who's leading when we come back. And plus, we'll have our special guest to talk about everything Chicago sports and everything else in between. It's going to be a fun-filled uh, second segment. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, Zoom style. Zoom style, and I have no idea who this person is. So you're going to be surprised as I am. So, <laughs> so we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to our second segment of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidK80. Once again, that's SidK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this show, Second City Sports Podcast, along with our other podcast programming from War Media. You can go to our website at www.wearegalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can also find us on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe to the page. Absolutely, because you know, get those likes up, folks. Get them up, get them up, get them up. Yes, yes. And to join us for, for the entire hour in our second segment, he's a producer down at ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He was an instructor at the Illinois Media School. He has produced great hosts such as David Kaplan, Pat Boyle, friend of the program, John the Hood, now with Chris Blake and Alan Badala at night. Let's welcome in Mr. Eric Ostrowski. Eric, how's it going? Welcome to the program. All right, guys. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm proud to And where that, can Eric. people follow you on social media? Um, so on Twitter, it's ericko 312 and then it's the same on Instagram. And also, I'm All right, Lakina, say, let's... All right, I'm proud to say that I knew Eric Rio from our time at Illinois Media School. So, you know, he's doing big things as I, as I knew he would. So I'm so happy for him and all his success. <laughs> Appreciate that. Lakeen and I go back. We do. Oh, We've known yes. each other for some time. Yes, we have. So, you know, definitely. All right. So, our NFL Week 15, guys. We're already Week 15. It's, you know, that this, everything going on, it seems like the NFL season even goes, has gone even quicker than it, mm. than it has in previous years. It's crazy. But, Sid, we're right back where we were, Sid. I mean, you're still up by, like, two games. And, you know, I yeah. lost a game, too. So, you know, Lamont's still, like, right there in the middle. So, we're basically back where we started two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is new, huh? No, I'm Long say, as no. boys on top. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, so at this time of year, guys, we got Saturday games. You know, both both these games will be exclusive on NFL. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I love this time of year. So first up, the Saturday slate, you got Buffalo and and the Denver Broncos. So Sid, why don't you so, why don't you go first? Uh, Buffalo's coming off a big win last week in front of a national audience against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. I think they'll have a slip up a little bit, but I think they'll do enough to win. Josh Allen, this is his first time traveling to, to Denver, playing at altitude at Mount High against, High against the Broncos. Denver's defense is still good. Their running game uh, is still formidable. I think those would be the two elements that will keep Denver in this game. But I think Buffalo will have enough to win this game. Of course, they're on pace to perhaps get the number two seed because Pittsburgh, who they beat in Kansas City, are battling for the number one seed in the AFC. What about you, Eric? Um, I'm gonna. I'm. I believe Buffalo's gonna win this game, and I'd say they they win it pretty fairly easily. I think that Josh Allen and that offense. Um, I think they're rolling. I think that their play callers doing a great job. I think Josh Allen's grown, and I don't see Denver being able to keep up with the points. Even though Denver's D is good, I think Buffalo will get theirs, and Denver's offense won't keep up. 
I want to see how Allen does in the altitude. We haven't seen him play in the altitude yet, so I'm a little I'm a little curious to see how he does it. But I think the Bills will. I think I think Denver. Will, I think will keep it close for a little bit, but I think Denver. Will, I mean, Buffalo will pull away late, and so does Lamont. Lamont also has Buffalo. All right, the Saturday nighter here. You got the Panthers and the Packers. Hoping, if you're a Bears fan, hoping that the Panthers pull off the upset, but I don't see it happening. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say the Packers. Look, they they need you know they need to keep the you know, that number one seed with with you know the only buy. So I think they're gonna I think they're gonna beat the beat the Panthers. I'm gonna think they're gonna beat them pretty handily. I have the Packers as well. Hard to disagree. Aaron Rodgers, prime time. Sign me up. <laughs> exactly. Also, to Lamont's got the Packers as well. All right. So back in the day, you know, the first or Sunday games. Back in the day, this was a really big rivalry. You know, especially they were playing for spots in the Super Bowl for the NFC Championship, but not so much this year. San Francisco and Dallas. Uh, Eric, why don't you start first on this one? San Francisco, Dallas. This is um. I mean. This is a hard game to pick, actually. San Francisco does. I'd say San Francisco expectations coming in were great. They got decimated all year. Um, De- I'll take Dallas in this game, but I think it's be close. I think it's a really tough game to pick. I don't really love either team at this point. Um, and it's hard to read teams when they clearly have nothing to play for at this point. And both teams, I mean, Dallas has this crazy outside chance because the NFC East, but that's neither here nor there. I just <laughs> – I don't really see much coming out of it, and I'll see Dallas and, and that offense will be able to keep up and score more points. You're taking me back to my childhood, Lakina, back to 1993-94, right. when I was actually mad at Dave Wansett and the Bears, and I switched my <laughs> allegiance to Dallas, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, I don't like this pick, but these are two bad teams. I know both teams had expectations coming into the season, but this is what happens when you have uh, injuries and uh, not enough depth on your roster. I'm going with San Francisco. I have San Fran too, just because I think I think you know quality wise, talent wise, from top to bottom, they think they have a better roster, and so does Lamont. He has San Fran as well. All right, and the tricky one here, you got Seattle and Washington. Sid, I think Washington is going to keep this close because the game is more important to them than to Seattle is. Uh, Washington has a front uh, front four, as we mentioned before, Lakina, and plus uh, they have the NFC East title w- within their grasp, especially with the Giants slipping up last week with the loss against Arizona. Seattle, last time they came to the East Coast, they lost a, a, a shootout to the Buffalo Bills, but I think things are going to be a little bit different this time. I see Washington keeping it close, but I think Seattle's going to come out with the win. Eric? Um, this is actually a really good game. So kind of teams trending in opposite directions. Washington football team's really been playing well, been playing their best football. And then we've watched the Seahawks start hot and kind of fade. And in my opinion, come back to reality on what their team actually is with their defense and their front line. What the Washington football team's been doing these last, I'd say, three, four weeks with their front four on D is actually really special stuff. Like there's some real things going on there. And, uh, I think that I'm actually going to take I'll, – I'll say Washington takes this game. I do. I just think they're a better all-around team. Russell Wilson is is top three guy in the league, really. But all-around, all I think that Washington's a better team. They're playing better football right now. And also, too, just for a note, though, Dwayne Haskins will be starting because Alex Smith will be out because of the, the of the calf injury. So, something to look out for there. We'll see what happens. This is going to be a tough one for me. But 
I think because they're home, and I think, like Eric said, they got more to play for. I'm going to pick Washington, too. I think they need to win this game to sort of keep, you know, keep in front of the NFC East as bad as it is. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to pick I'm going to pick Washington here. All right. Oh, and uh, Lamar, Lamar, has, Lamar has Seattle, actually. So he's right there with you, Sid. All right. Next up, we got the Patriots and the Dolphins. Pretty good game here in the AFC East. Why don't you go first this time, Eric? All right, so the, as we know, Bill Belichick always, always beats his assistants that are head coaches. He's, he's got a track record of it. I think Brian Flores might be the best of those guys that have come out. I really believe in him as a coach. And with that defense, Miami's defense versus New England's offense, if you want to call it that, it's a clear mismatch. I don't see how New England scores more than two touchdowns even. Um, Miami's going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it pretty pretty handily. Uh, piggyback off your point, Eric, about uh, Brian Flores. You saw what he did last year uh, uh, in the regular season finale against Tom Brady, and that altered the course of that team's, uh, team's uh, lack of success in, in the playoffs. The first mini go around, Brian Fitzpatrick was quarterback in that team. Yeah. Right now it's two or tongue of a lova. Uh, you don't need him to do much, but I think he'll do enough along with that running game uh, for the Dolphins to win. So I'm picking Miami to win. And plus with Oakland losing on Thursday, sorry, Las Vegas losing on Thursday night, <laughs> Miami can seize the opportunity to take us another step forward to perhaps clinch in the last playoff spot in the AFC wild card. It seems like Flores will probably have Bill Belichick's number after Sunday. So I'm right there with you guys. I'm picking Miami. Look, the defense will probably will smother Cam Newton. I mean, they may, you know, Belichick may have to take him out. So, and Tua will probably do just enough to win, you know, that, you know, that Patriots defense is non-existent. So Dolphins will win this and will win it handily. And so the Motley Grease, he also picks Miami. All right, um, Jags and Ravens. Ravens coming off that big win against Cleveland on Monday night. Sid, I'll, Sid you start. Do you believe um, Baltimore's quarterback, Lamar Jackson, had cramps? <laughs> For those of you listening exclusively on the podcast, I did my air quotes there. <laughs> <laughs> Despite having his cramps, <laughs> he had a, a great performance toward the end there, like you mentioned, against Cleveland, Lakina, with that victory. And now with Las Vegas losing on Thursday night, I think – Baltimore's in that driver's seat now. They still have an outside chance. I know they had to have Indianapolis or Miami struggle, but uh, they have the best chance and the best schedule uh, in their favor moving forward. It shouldn't be no problem. They should take care of the the Jaguars. So I have Baltimore winning. Eric? Um, I I actually completely agree with you. I think Baltimore has the easiest stretch here to wrap up the season out of all those those teams that are fighting right there at the bottom of the AFC. And and I think that they're going to continue to roll. And, and they'll easily beat Jacksonville comfortably. And, no, I think he had to poop. Oh, well, look, we all, <laughs> oh, look, we all agree. We all agree. Look, we've all had that look. We've all had that, no. that, that sprint. We've all had that. So, cramps. Okay, Lamar. We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, with that said, on a serious note, though, but I think, well, like you guys said, I mean, they have the – Ravens have the easiest schedule these last few weeks. They know they, they know they just as long as they keep winning, they'll have a shot, and I think they'll beat the Jags. They'll be handling this with, with no problem. They should never have a problem. And the model agrees he picks Baltimore as well. All right. In the NFC South, we got Bucks and Falcons. Eric, why don't you start? Oh, I think this game's going to be closer than 
the average football fan would look at it. I think a lot of people would look at it and say that Tampa is is easily the better team. But Atlanta's frisky. Even though their record's not great, they, they're in games almost all the time. And it takes Matt Ryan making a similar mistake over and over again for them to lose. Um, I think Tampa will win, but I think it'll be a closer game than most people expect. Sid? Yeah, Tom Brady uh, cannot turn the football over. He has to have a better performance. Uh, uh, he sort of had a good performance last week against Minnesota. The Tampa Bay's running game actually got back on track. They need to do the same thing here on the road in Atlanta. I think they'll have enough to get the job done. So I'm going with Tampa. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we know the Falcons are feisty, so I think they'll keep it close. But, you know, talent-wise, you know, Tampa has the better overall talent, and I think – They'll, they'll pull away late here. And Lamont Legrees, he also has Tampa. All right, you got Detroit and the Titans. Tennessee, next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> you don't like the good vibes that Detroit's feeling right now? <laughs> They're not playing the Bears. Exactly. It's easy to get some good vibes. Yeah, no, I think Tennessee will win. I think Matthew Stafford will continue to play well, but I think that Tennessee and Derrick Henry and that defense, and I, I love, I'm, I'm a big Brable fan. I think he's one of the, the more, like, better coaches in the league as well. So, yeah, Tennessee. Oh, yeah, I'm on with you guys. I think, you know, Tennessee and easily. And so, Liz Lamont, he also has Tennessee. All right. Uh, Houston, Indy, sort of the same thing. You know, we're all picking the Colts. <laughs> Agree. Yep. Lock it in. All right. All right. And also, Lamont also picking the Colts. Not much to say. Yeah. Houston's a, a bad team. Yeah. We'll say save, <laughs> save, them, save them as save them, save them as for her. Uh, the first game, the 3 o'clock slate, you got the Eagles and the Cardinals. Eric, why don't you start? It's a fun game. Um, Kyler versus Hurts, that's a lot of fun. Um, I, see, I don't know how you guys feel about Arizona, but I think that they're not as good as – I think there are a lot of people hype them more than they really are. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a bad coach. I think Kyler Murray's terrific, but he's held back by his coach a lot. That said, Philly has looked awful as well, and Doug Peterson has looked like not a very good coach. Hurst kind of gave them a shot in the arm. Um, I, I don't. I this is a tough game to pick. Actually, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take Philly, but not confidently, and I think it'll be a close game. Now, first of all, Eric, I was I was the first one on this program to pick Arizona to go to the playoffs. I'll stick to that. But I'm with you. They haven't played well lately. I know they had a. Big victory against a, a bad Giants team last week, but they struggled over the last month. I like Kyler Murray, too, but let's be honest, he's not healthy right now. On the other side, I watched that whole game last week between Philly and the Saints. Philly caught the Saints off guard, and that's and that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Philadelphia is going to do the same thing to Arizona again, but I'm with you. It's going, it's going to be a, a very good game. I'm going, I'm going with you. I'm taking Philly in, in an upset. Oh, I was one of those people too that was high in Arizona. I'll, I'll admit it to Eric on this early season. A lot of season. people are, and it's because of Kyler. He's yeah. he's so fun to watch, and he's great. And like yeah. you said, he's clearly not healthy. Yeah, he he's you you can tell the by the way in that game against the Giants, he's not. Well, well, who is of this time of year though? But uh, I mean, gosh, this is another tough one. Jeez, uh, I'm gonna pick Arizona in a close one, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hurts somehow leads the Eagles to a to a, a sort of a minor upset. And Lamont also picks Arizona, too. So we're both on our little Arizona island here. Um, Jets and Rams. Yeah, Rams. 
Yeah, I mean, Rams 0-16. The Jets, that's, that's almost locking in 0-16 for the Jets. So, yes, <laughs> was all- Rams in this game. Oh, yes, you guys scared for a second there. Sid, how about you? Rams? Uh, I, don't, I think the question is, will the Jets be able to cover wherever the line is? But I'm going with the Rams as far as the victory is concerned. <laughs> I will mm-hmm. say, yeah, well, I don't know what the, 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 the line I think it's like 12, I think, 12 and a half. So, um, you can pick whoever you want to pick the over-under. But I'm picking the Rams, too, and so is Amani. He's also picking the Rams. All right, folks, the game of probably the game of the year, perhaps maybe a Super Bowl re- preview, maybe. We'll see. Chiefs and Saints, also Drew Brees will be playing. So that definitely helps a little bit. So, Sid, I'll start with you. Where do you see this game? I have the New Orleans Saints winning in the close one, but I caution the New Orleans Saints this. You better not get in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes because if you do – you're going to lose the ball game. What what has been the formula for the Saints' success this season? Not letting Drew Brees throw the deep ball a lot and let Alvin Kamara uh, control your run game. That defense, even though it's been hit hard by injuries and inconsistent play in various spots this season, that defense, that Saints' defense is still pretty good. Uh, let's see if they can create a, a turnover or two on Patrick Mahomes. If they can, I think they'll win this one going away. But I think it's going to be a, a, a closer game than people expect. So I'm taking the Saints about three to four points at home. What about you, Eric? Wow. Um, I, so I, I think Kansas City is going to win this game. But I okay, start with New Orleans. I think that with Drew Brees returning, expect like Alvin Kamara to get more involved again. Because if you notice with Taysom Hill, his numbers and his, his, like, his passes, like his screens, all that stuff dropped. Um, yeah. And I think that that affected their offense too because he is – and, and one of the best weapons in the league. Yeah. Um, and Drew Brees loves him. So expect him to get involved. And if he gets going, then I think we have a ball game. But he, I think he has to really get going. And I, I just I, – this Kansas City team is, is the best team in the NFL, and I will take them. It's going to be a great game, but I will take them. Uh, I've been back and forth on this. Um, like you said, Eric, I think you're going, we are going to be seeing more Alvin Kamara, you know, now that Brees is back. Also, because they're at home, this was if this is the Arrowhead, and they were playing in the elements. I probably would give the advantage to, to the Chiefs, but since it's going to be at home, I'm going to pick the Saints. I think the Saints will do just enough. I think the defense will just enough if they can force Mahomes. Look, they look, you know, the, the Raiders and the Dolphins gave you the formula. So if they can follow that formula on their defensive side, I think they can. I think they can pull pull it off. It'll, it might come down to a field goal. Who knows? But. I think that the Saints win it, but I only I think I only pick them because they're at home. And you know how Lamont feels about the Saints, guys. So he's picking the Saints. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not a really big stretch here. This could be the the best game of the year so far. Like oh, yeah. it depends how it plays out. Like Monday night ended up being awesome, but that could this could be the, the best game of the year so far. Oh, absolutely. I agree. So it should be a, a fun one. It'll be seen nationally on CBS. We'll get the game here in Chicago. So so yeah, we'll get how excited to... Romo is. Oh the yeah. Time. Oh yeah. Oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be gushing about the about Mahomes yeah. and Breeze. You know, you know he's gonna be doing <laughs> right. that. You great. know he's gonna do it. We love him for that. Um, okay. So that here, you got the Browns and the Giants. <sighs> Browns and the Giants. This is actually like a, a tougher game than people realize because what the Giants do well is they stop the run. Yeah. Um, and what do the Browns do well? They run the ball. Like, they, Baker Mayfield isn't going to drop back and, and pick anyone apart. That's not how he is. And they've figured it out, and the reason they're playing so well is because the play caller has made that offense taken the right way, and they've two, got two very talented running backs. Um, this is going to be a good game. This is gonna be, I think this is going to be one of those physical games. I don't see it being 
I don't see both teams scoring more than 24 points or something. Like, I see it low scoring. But I will take the, the Browns to continue on their run here. Maybe first was a double-digit season, and I don't even know how long, but they're going to smell it and get it, I think. I'm going with Cleveland as well. I don't know who's going to start at quarterback for the New York Giants. Will it be the injured Daniel Jones, who did not look good last week, or will they go back to Colt McCoy? That's the question here. Uh, like you mentioned, Eric, the Browns are overall better team, and they should not be discouraged of what happened on Monday night. That could have happened to any team. Uh, like you say, with this win here, they'll clinch their first 10-win season plus winning season against uh, of since 2007. Uh, they're going to be a, a formidable team to look forward to in the playoffs. I'm going with Cleveland here. Cleveland, they're just better talent-wise. I, I Look, I mean – I like what Baker Mayfield's doing. I like that the running the running back tandem. I think Jarvis Landry. I think their defense doesn't get as much credit as they should. I mean, they're kind of opportunistic too. So we'll see if they can take the opportunities. Whoever ends up being the quarterback for the Giants on sun on Sunday night. So we'll we'll see. But I think I think Cleveland has it. Also Lamont agrees. And uh, we, can, we can go ahead and skip this Monday nighter. And I'm, I'm sure I'm sure ESPN wishes they could. That's why they want more flexibility on Monday night <laughs> slate. Uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Bengals. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Steelers. Yeah. All right, Steelers, yeah. Lamont, yeah. Yeah, Lamont no, no. Pitts, yeah, Pitts, Pittsburgh as well. So that's <laughs> over with and done with there. Last but not least, Bears and Vikings. Eric, I'll start off with you. Where do you see this game? <laughs> um, this is a tougher game. Like, this is a, a close to a coin toss game. Um, I'm, the Bears have found a rhythm. Whether, whether what it means or anything at all, it, it, it's <laughs> really – we can have a whole other conversation on that. Um. I, I still don't believe in this Bears team, and I don't think – I think it's too much of an uphill battle. I think Minnesota wins this game. I think Dalvin Cook, with the, the absence of Eddie Goldman, it's been clear that you can run in between the tackles, in between in, in the A and B gaps. And uh, Dalvin Cook, I think, will shred them, and, and I think the Bears offense may come back to life a little bit or back down to earth a little bit. I think the Bears' offense will perform better than they did on Monday night back in November, putting up 13 points, thanks to Cordell right. Patterson's yeah. special teams re um, return for a touchdown there. Right. Uh, I just – I got to see more from this Bill Lazor now-led offense from the Bears for me to go go back on the bandwagon again. For the, for those reasons alone, I'm going with Minnesota. Screen is going to be out there. Jeff, our, your, your good buddy and your colleague, Eric, Jeff Disicker for ESPN Chicago, just tweeted that Buster Screen is going to be out because of concussion still. And also Jalen Johnson and Deion Bush are both questionable, too, with you know, Jalen Johnson with the shoulder injury he suffered against the Texans. Also, Deion Bush has been battling a foot injury the last couple of weeks. <sighs> I'm going to pick the Vikings, too. I, I just... I just don't believe in this Bears team. I think that 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 performance last week was a mirage. I've been saying it for days now. <laughs> I, I just I just don't trust this Bears team. I think Minnesota, I think, will want it more. I'm sure the Bears want it too, but I think overall, the Vikings are not going to be in a very good mood because they feel like they lost that game against the, the Bucks. They should not have lost that game, they feel. So it's going to be the Vikings. I think they win. Although I think the Bears will keep it close like it was in the first meeting, but the Vikings will just enough to win the game. And also the Mount agrees. So he picks the Vikings, too. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. All right. Wow. Those are our week. Bears got swept by us there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, the, not the first time. Not the first time it's happened this season, uh, either. Yeah, understandably so. <laughs> and those of our week 15 in
Those are, yeah, those are week 15 NFL picks. So we're here, here with, you know, Sid, Sid will be back in a little bit. He's, <laughs> as you can see, he froze on us, Eric. But uh, <laughs> yep. all right. So uh, what's, what's your sort of your uh, realistic synopsis of what the Bears could do? Uh, or, in these or, last or do you think weeks? they were overrated? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sid, so you, you, cut, you cut out for a while. Yeah, I'll say, yeah. Back. Yeah, re reset, Sid. Gary, okay. Okay, sorry, yeah. sorry about that, guys. So I was asking Eric about the Chicago Bears five and one start. What was your take on that team at that time? Were you a believer in, in this team, perhaps making the playoffs, or did you think that this team was overweight? And what are your feelings about this team now? Um, okay, so when they were five and one, I was definitely in that boat that this is fool's gold. Do not believe in this. What has this offense proven to anyone yet? There was no rhythm. There was there was no sort of like balanced play calling. It wasn't a team that I believed in. It was a team that got so many lucky wins. I mean, let's be honest. Like so many, either luck fell their way or luck for the other team fell out of their way. So like we saw plenty of things happen. I didn't believe in him then. Um, I think that the, their record. I I went into the season to say that I thought they were going to be seven and nine because I didn't believe in this offense to begin with. Um, with the defense regressing a little bit, which has happened, which I, I, I can't, I'm not going to play the defense has gotten worse than that. Maybe a Pagano thing. It's, it's a health thing. I don't, I don't think that they are, I don't know, a top five defense. Like people say they are, they're top 10. I don't believe in the offense at all. I don't think that Mitch Trubisky is great. And I'm someone who screens calls all day at work on a radio station for Chicago and I hear so many people after one game with the Texans that, that believe in Mitch Trubisky, like that think that like, all right, he's back. He's good. This is it. Like you have to, in my opinion, until this offense shows something against a good team, which they have not done in two years, then I'm not going to believe in this offense. So that's where I stand. I think they're a, like majority of the league, they're a, a right around 500 football team. Well, we've all felt this way about the Bears. Now, should they lose out or should they lose maybe one or the next three games? Do you think changes will be afoot, Eric? I mean, we know how the McCaskies are. So do you see them making any changes? Do you see them making any changes? <laughs> it's like, I, I, I'm not one to root for them not to win. But in, if you're like 10,000 foot view looking down, it's better if they don't because I'm scared. And the only reason is because I want change. That's the only reason I have that like thought in my head. And I'm afraid that if they make this run and, and beat Green Bay in the last week, because the, the, the other two, are, this Minnesota game's winnable and they should beat Jacksonville. So if they beat Green Bay and they make it, I'm worried the McCaskies will not make change. And I don't know what to, like what, if things stay the same, I have no expectations for this team then, again. So I just want change, that's why. Soon that we get our wish, Eric, as far as changes are concerned with the Bears coaching staff and perhaps front office, should the Bears not make the playoffs this year, who would, you, who would your top candidates will be, would be to replace Ryan Pace and to get this team back on the right track? It's a tough one. Um, there's, a lot, there's a guy in Buffalo that is one of the assistant GMs, and then the San Diego has an assistant GM. It's really – honestly, I – I wouldn't be someone who would know the right name to pluck for that. I, I think the question is, is how will the McCaskies go about if that is the decision? Because I think Ryan Pace has done a bad job, and I think he needs to go. Um, I think Matt Nagy has not done as bad as his job as Ryan Pace. But if the GM goes, I, will, I don't 
I don't think they should do the whole bring the GM and force the head coach on him thing again. That did not work out with John Fox. Um, but I, I'm just curious on what the McCaskies and Ted Phillips, who is a part of that room somehow still, <laughs> what they'll do to make this coaching to, or to, to GM decision. Will they just hire advisors again who have nothing? So they come in, make a suggestion and leave. Like there's no skin in the game for them. So what do they really care and look long-term and who's going to be right and wrong? I'm talking about like what they did with Ernie Acorsi. That was one of the guys yeah. who brought in Ryan Pace. So I, I'm just, I'm worried about, I was worried about the process that Ryan Pace has come out with his draft strategy with Mitch Trubisky. I'm worried about the process that the McCaskies and Ted Phillips and the owners of the team have for hiring a football guy. So I, I would love for a VP and then a GM, but I don't like, that would be my ideal situation. Yeah, I mean, I know some. I've seen like some Bears fans say they want Theo to perhaps maybe run the Bears, be the VP for 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 the Bears. Like, I don't, I wouldn't want to wish that on him at this point. So, especially with everything else. But uh, what about coaching? You know, though? who you think you should be a coach that the Bears should look at? Should they decide to, you know, give the hook to Nagy? So you hear Eric Bieniemy is super probably like the uh, word the word is is going to Houston. He wants to coach Deshaun Watson. That's going to be a fun matchup to see going down for years. That's the guy. Um, the uh, offensive coordinator in Buffalo is getting a lot of talks. I say his name wrong, so I don't want to try and say it. I don't know if some people. Um, <laughs> he is very great as well. Again, it's – I'm not set on – are you guys one of those people where it has to be an offensive head coach? Oh, no, not me. I, I can't speak for Sid, but I, I'm not. I mean, whoever whoever can, you know, who is confident. I want someone who is confident that can coach an NFL team. I don't care. He come from – what about college? You guys think, you know, do you like, he should come from the college ranks? I've heard Pat Fitzgerald's name's being flown around and Jim Harbaugh's name's being – I mean, come on, guys. Let's not go a little too far here. Sid, what about you? I don't think college would be a great idea. Like you mentioned, I heard the name Pat Fitzgerald. I can see that. Uh, I, I can see the idea why, if you uh, starting to rebuild this team from the ground up, then yeah, I will go that route. But I don't know. The McCaskey is going to uh, basically make moves to quote unquote tear this thing down to bring in a young college coach. So I don't see them going in that direction. For me, uh, if I don't care, it's the office coach or defense coach either just have our office be better like uh, unlike it's been for we brought him here to uh, to fix the office it hasn't been fixed you be riding that defense and we've seen the dividends of that now that's absolutely right like um we have not seen any improvement in this offense and that's that's it go, it falls on three people ryan pace the quarterback that he selected and then the play caller who has been unable to adapt his offense to the quarterback and the offensive type um, it's, it's going to be, I just hope for change. That is, that's all I am. And I'm not that confident that we're going to get it, but proof is in the pudding and it hasn't worked. Sid? You're listening to the, yeah, you're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. We're joined by Eric Ostrowski, producer at ESPN Radio 1000 in Chicago, WMVP AM. Now your new home, radio home for the Chicago White Sox. Eric, let's go to baseball. Since I mentioned the White Sox that hired Tony La Russa, too much of the chagrin of some White Sox fans. Uh, they didn't like the idea because here's this quote unquote old man managing a young team and he, 
quote unquote doesn't know what's going on in today's game. Uh, where do you stand on that move? And and uh, we'll talk about this uh, in a minute. But uh, based on a couple of early moves that the White Sox have made as far as free agency and the trade is concerned, this looks like it's a World Series of bus uh, type situation. They have absolutely changed the tone on what what their expectations are. Before they were building, it's been building, it's been building, it's building. These moves are, it, we're going. Like, this is it. We're making moves. We've got mm-hmm. rid of one of our exciting prospects because we built our, we saw a, a hole in the rotation. We need depth. And they brought in an innings eater. Lance Lynn just gobbles up innings. He's led the league in innings pitched multiple times. Yeah. Um, they're, like you said, they're in to win. I think the Adam Eaton contract was one of those when you, at, at first blush, I'm a I'm, for us getting the White Sox at the station's great. I'm, I'm been a White Sox fan my whole life. Like I just, oh, I'm, yeah. so I'm a White Sox fan. Let me get that out there first. <laughs> so am I. Um, so we the same boat. You guys are you guys are a good company. You guys are good. There we go. Um, so the Eaton signing at first was like, ugh, like this guy again. Like he was annoying. And then you saw the contract, which is tiny. And then I started thinking about it and talking to more and more people. It's, do you think that Brickon has always been in touch with this clubhouse and and the guys that he is bringing in? Do you think that he would bring in Adam Eaton if Jose Abreu didn't want him in the locker room? Or if of guys that were there before, which Abreu may be the only one, I don't think that Adam Eaton would be in this clubhouse, which that's what people are worried about, is that he, he's, he was disliked when he was here. If Jose Abreu didn't want him in this locker room, he wouldn't be. So I think there's, there's no problem with it. I think it was yeah. kind of a risk-free, other than the personality thing, contract. And then the Tony La Russa that you brought up. Um, same thing almost first blush. I was like, really? Like, what has he been doing lately? And then you look look into it and he's been working in front offices and what he's been doing in front offices is using analytics and then his baseball mind to help generate ideas. And like, I think baseball has gone too analytic first off. I think it's gone way too far one way. It's made the game hard to watch first off in general entertainment wise. It's kind of ruined that. And two, it's made... Uh, managers in playoff situations where those large, large number sizes don't necessarily matter for that single small moment. It's made them make decisions that have been really head scratching. So the more I've thought about it and, and the it's, it's another, like you said, it's another, we're all in. Like LaRouche is going to coach two years. Maybe we'll want to try to win it with these two years and then have, I think Miguel Cairo will be their bench manager. I think he'll be the guy that's going to come up and end up managing. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It's it's chips in the middle of the table now. It really is for them. What what are the moves do you think the White Sox have to have to make or need to make? Because Kyle Schwarber's out there now. I think he'd be a better fit than Eloy because that way I don't have to freak out when Eloy jumps into the in the stands while trying to feel <laughs> a, a fly ball. I, I I I can't I can't take it, Eric. I can't. Um, but yeah, you got some other guys, you know, floating around. You know, maybe another starter, maybe a middle middle relief guy. Who who who's what's your sort of your dream, you know, wish list for the White Sox? Um, a, a better right fielder, but that's uh, probably clearly not going to happen. You see, they want to go with a platoon with Angle. Who I mean, Adam Angle had had a good year. He did, and he had a good COVID twenty twenty baseball season. If him and Adam Eaton will platoon, but I really wanted like a Michael Brantley or, or a big, big stick in that right field. Um, at this point, if, if you just build bullpen depth, I think that they need another DH. If they, if they could get a DH as well to help spell Brayu and let him like things like that, that'd be great. But 
I don't know much more other than just building pitching depth at this point, what that roster needs. The lineup's great. And get your Schwarber out of here. I do not <laughs> want that 240 <laughs> player. I want I, – oh, wow. boy, get out of here again. That's crazy. I know he drives me nuts in the outfield. That's fine. That's why maybe another bat, another corner outfielder that I was hoping they'd get that wasn't Adam Eaton would maybe help that rotation and he could DH some. But, no, um, I think it's just finding arms now. Because you have a lineup, and once you have that lineup, the next step is finding arms, both bullpen and, and rotation depth. You need you need seven starters to get through a real season and have five or four legitimate starters by playoffs. So they have to build arm depth and then just just make a run at it. Let that lineup do what that lineup can do. Yeah, speaking of the pitching rotation, Eric, uh, are you in favor of the Sox looking into perhaps bringing Jose Quintana back or at least looking at James Paxton from the New York Yankees? Or who would you uh, like to see filling that fifth starter spot until probably perhaps Michael Kopech gets back perhaps June or July? Because it looks like he'll probably start the year in the minor leagues. Yeah, um, both of those names I'm fine with. Um, I think I would take Paxton over Quintana. But I'm not against Quintana. I think Quintana, is, again, one healthy, eats innings. And he went to the Cubs with expectations that weren't realistic. He was, he was solid for the White Sox. And I think if he's healthy, he can eat innings. But I would rather have Paxton over, over Quintana. But I would not be against him. Again, you need, you need, six, you need someone who can go six, seven innings and just, just gobble up stuff so we don't roll in bullpens. And, it's, yeah, he would help in that situation. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that bullpen, though, I mean, it, it was sort of up and down, you know, and, and later on in the season going to the playoffs, they kind of let them down. But, I mean, I, what are names are you thinking, though, for that, for that bullpen depth? I mean, there are a lot of names out there, sort of, you know, the guys that can eat innings like Lance Lynn, you know, they were able to get. Sorry, what? I didn't hear it. No, no, I, no, I mean, I, I was asking, like, Wolf, what, what names out there for the bullpen that you want to kind of, you know, eat up those innings for the Sox? Um, I mean, I don't really, honestly, I don't have like names. I don't know who's really free agent. I have to pull up a list and I'm just, like, <laughs> go through it and look through my list. I don't have something like that in front of me. Um, but it really, like, I, I believe Colome is, is a closer. I think, um, like getting a couple arms back. I don't know. I, I don't have a name for it. Oh, Frank, that's fine. That's <laughs> okay. That's okay. <laughs> go ahead, Sid. Yeah, going back to Tony LaRusso for a moment, Eric, we had on Josh Nelson from Sox Machine on our podcast last week, and we discussed with him about there's a potential, there could be a potential power struggle between him and Rick Hahn. Of course, we all know that both of them have, have to work together to help get this team uh, to a, eventually to a World Series. Well, first they have to win the AL Central. Uh, what do you feel uh, that, that, that might happen there? Because uh, let's be honest here, especially the Lance Lynn move, they had Tony LaRusso's name written all over it. And we all know that Rick Kahn, if you watched his press conference when they hired LaRusso, he, he did not have a good look on his face. Do you think there's potential mm -hmm. power struggle there between those two gentlemen? First off, shout out Josh. I like Josh. Josh is my yes. guy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Um, we love him too. <laughs> yes, he's the best. Yes. Yes. Um, and the, I, when you watch that press conference of the La Russa hiring, you absolutely were like, wow, Reinsdorf castrated Rick Hahn. Rick Hahn has done all this good. He has built mm -hmm. this, re, this yep. rebuild with him. He's got his fingerprints all over it. And then that one big head coaching move was clearly a Reinsdorf move. It was it was one of those where Rick had to just feel gutted by it. I really believe so. And, and to say that the, the potential where if 
Rick and LaRusso are on opposite sides on someone and LaRusso goes to Jerry. We can't say that's not in the cards, which it worries you. You don't know. Like yeah. maybe there's an agreement. Maybe they've had that discussion. Maybe that was part of the discussion with bringing him in because there's that weird, clear friendship and demographic and, and going in there. But to say that it, it can't happen, it's, it's, it's possible. It really is. It's something that I'm afraid of. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think all White Sox fans, and I am too, agree that, do you wonder, okay, yeah, the Lynn move was definitely the Russo move, but then if, 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 you know, if Han wants to bring in somebody and Russo says he doesn't want to do it, you know, he'll listen to Jerry. So I'm hoping that, that this doesn't come to that. I hope that, you know, everybody kind of kind of work together and, you know, there is no power struggle. But that, that's the thing that really worries me and should worry yeah, White Sox fans. I think the Lynn move was, I think the Lynn move was a really good move. So it may have been Han, it may have been LaRusa, but maybe because of the, like the, obviously the history with Larusa and and Lynn that he knew the guy, but I thought it was a really good move. I think that move will pay off just because of the type of pitcher he is. So we'll see going forward. We will. That that's it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it really is. yeah. Body language says it all. So let's go to the hardwood now and talk some bulls. Um, Sid and I were talking about it just before before he came on about how great they look in the last couple of preseason games. Patrick Williams, who I've been high on. You know, I know Bulls fans were kind of freaking out when they, they the Bulls drafted him, but he's showing you why he was the sixth man of the year in the ACC. Um, you know, Kobe White and also Zach Levine, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. Lori, I'm a little worried about. So what are, you, what, is your, what are your realistic expectations for the Bulls this year? In general, as a Bulls fan, doesn't doesn't the aura doesn't the feeling feel so different this season? It yes, is it so does. Nice. It's it's this team may not be great. They really may not be. I think Kobe White will make another step. Um, I I think Williams is Williams look good, but expect him to lose minutes because he he can't guard his position. Right. And if you can't guard in this league, you really can't play. Like that's that's it. Really does come down to the NBA. Um, I think. I don't know. I have like fun expectations. I'm curious to see the way Billy Donovan, who is a very one, he's very good at teaching. So he's going to build them. I'm curious the type of style offense they're going to build together and grow with. I'm curious to see Wendell Carter Jr. get involved in an offense because I think he's talented and we have not seen any of it. I'm with you. Laurie's, Laurie's target and arrows pointing down. Well, he's got to prove it to us to bring it back up, in my opinion, and to the league. So, uh, like, ESPN does, like, their top 100 players, and he wasn't even 100. Like, he was not in the top 100. Um, I think Zach Levine is – he's to me, has something to prove as well as becoming a winning player. I think he's a fantastic offensive player. I think he is fun to watch. He works his ass off. But he does a lot of things down the stretch that aren't winning, winning plays. And I think he's aware of it. He seems like a super self-aware person. So if he can make steps, again, he's like, what, 20, 26, 25? He's so much younger than people realize. Yeah. Um, this team could be fun to watch. They really could. And, and in the East, they could be fighting for a bottom. A top, like, they could either be, like, fighting for, like, a 7-8 seed or they could be a 10-11 seed. Like, who knows? Yeah. But I think that there's potential for this team to be a fun, fun watch. Eric Ostrowski, producer at ESPN Radio 1000 in Chicago, your new radio home for the Chicago White Sox, is joining us right here on Second City Sports. Along with Lakeena McGee, I am Sidney Brown. Eric, let's stay with the Bulls for just a moment. Of course, they have new head coach Billy Donovan, along with uh, Chicago's very own assistant head coach, Hall of Famer Maurice Cheeks. What do you think those two gentlemen will bring to this young squad this year? What kind of impact do you think they'll have uh, this year on this young squad? 
Absolutely. I, I think Billy Donovan could have very easily won coach of the year last year. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he got thrust into the NBA in, other than maybe this net situation right now, the hardest locker room situation. It was a disgruntled KD um, and a Russell Westbrook, who is Russell Westbrook is, is a very difficult human being. It was a very <laughs> different, hard place to get into, especially someone who has been always a teacher and a mentor and, and like, like a very – um, he's he's kind of like fatherly, not not like demeaning to people, but he always is like looking over people and is that caring guy. That's kind of what his MO is in the locker room. And that locker room didn't need that. So like mm-hmm. he was thrust in a weird position. And then once that team became like like got rid of and, and it's changed and look what they did last year when it came down to actually coaching and teaching like young kids and, and integrating Chris Paul into this offense. What he did with that that team, I thought that he could have won Coach of the Year, and I think that's what we can expect more of. I expect a little bit more tempo. I expect Kobe White to be in space more. I expect maybe Larry Markkinen to be taking shots from the floor where he likes to take shots from because I don't think he's been doing that for the last two years. So I think the communication between him and players are is what he excels in. So I think he's going to put – and Mo Cheeks are going to put these guys into positions that they want to be in. Okay, let's go to the grand for a second. Let's on the college gridiron. I know you guys are the home for Notre Dame uh, football and basketball. We'll, we'll talk about college hoops in a little bit, but do you see the Notre Dame, uh, the, the football team I'm talking about, you know, against Clemson for the ACC title game, no matter what happens, you know, should they lose, you know, or lose handily, do you think this will, you know, cost them a spot in the playoff? I mean, unless they're – absolutely like I guess it would have to be a terrible beating I think they're in like unless it's like 45 10 or something like that and it's just from jump it's not even a game and like clear was Trevor Lawrence was the difference because that was the difference in the first game you know otherwise I think Notre Dame's in I think they've proven it I think they've played well enough um that's that's I think I think they have a good shot of being in the playoffs we'll see what they do in the playoffs though yeah, that's a question. Let's stay locally in college football, uh, Eric. Uh, of course, the Northwestern Wildcats will face the Ohio State Buckeyes for the Big Ten title in Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday. Of course, two years ago, uh, it was a close contest, and Ohio State pulled away in the fourth quarter. Do you see that same scenario playing out again uh, this weekend, or do you see uh, Ohio State making a, a big statement from start to finish? I think this Ohio State team knows they need to make the big statement, especially with being allowed in, basically, with the way they are. Um, I, I also think Justin Fields has been one of the best college football players this year. Um, my money's on him. My money's on that Buckeye team. I think they win very comfortably. All right, staying in college football locally, let's go a little about three hours south in Illinois. Lovey Smith has been let go by Illinois. Now, A, are you, were you surprised by that? And B, who, who are names are you thinking that could probably fill that job? Um, so I guess the timing of it I was surprised by. But when you actually see, like, when you, like, when you actually, like, if it happened in the offseason, I would not have been surprised. So I guess I was just surprised at the timing of it. Um, when it comes to people that, that need to come in and, like, potential guys to come in, it needs to be somebody. Like, I, I honestly like the Bielema. There's a lot of talk about Bielema as well because he's recruited this area. Yeah. The Illini, mm-hmm. like, Lovey has – Lovey doesn't even know a lot of that, like, top head coaches, like, high school coaches. He doesn't even know, like, who they are. He has not made the, the circuit 
in the city, in this state at all. Like, and the state has good high school football. Like, we have yep. good football players. Oh, yeah. And if, mm-hmm. if by by not being able to recruit in the state, it's really hurt. That's them. And I think someone who is willing to and has roots here, I think, is good. And and I, Bielema is a little bit of a jerk. If you didn't know that, mm, like, yeah. he's supposed to be a little bit. Of that. <laughs> I've heard. Uh, I've heard. He, yeah. He's recruited the area. He's recruited Wisconsin. He's recruited the area, and he's recruited well. So like, I I would lean towards that. But then you always names pop up. All right, we're heading down the home stretch with Eric Ostrowski, producer at ESPN 1000 in Chicago, right here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Eric, uh, last question from me. Uh, let's go to your career. As I mentioned uh, in the intro, you were an instructor at uh, Illinois Media School. Of course, people who don't know your story, the people think, okay, you're an instructor. You just so happen to appear on ESPN 1000 one day, uh, living up many people's dream jobs. Uh, how did you start, start off in the business? Yeah, that's fair. So um, I'll go back to like, I went to school at Illinois State University, got a journalism degree. But like when I was there, I didn't apply myself. Like I didn't work for the newspaper. I didn't work for the radio station. I did nothing all that. I just literally got my piece of paper. I left and I came home and I started remodeling houses with my uncle. My uncle's a general contractor and I started doing that with him. And I did it with him for like two years. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I, I have ambitions. Like, I want things. I went to school to do this thing. What am I doing? So I actually looked up to school. I looked up at the time it was Illinois Center for broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I even heard the ads on, on the score or on ESPN, one of the two. Like, I heard the ads. Um, so like, I went in, got the visit and I was like, all right, my point of going to this school is to get an internship in the city. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to the schools. I'm going to do fine in the classes. But, like, my goal is to network myself in the city. Like, get some jobs, get some internships in the city, and then I'll let, like, my work ethic and, and my ability to build relationships go from there. Um, I went to – so then when we were going to school, and two of my teachers, as Lakina knows, are Chris mm-hmm. Black and Adam Abdallah. So they were our teachers at the time. And uh, if you don't know, they work at ESPN now. Now, like, they're good friends of mine. I produced their show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got I actually walked up to them one day and I was like hey how do I get my resume for the internship from the stack of 150 pages to the stack of 10 that's literally like I'm like how do I get it from the big stack to the little stack and Adam just goes hold on man I'll help you out came back the next day and he's like hey email Randy Merkins is his name. He emails the assistant program director. He's expecting your email. So I like, he's a great guy. I got it because yeah. of the relationship that I built again with my teachers by how I worked and just my interactions with them and stuff like that and showing my capability that they were comfortable in bringing me literally to their building to internship. So they went and told their boss that, Hey, this guy needs like, like bring him in. So I came in and same thing. Like I interned and I did that and I, I just worked hard and got my hands on everything I could um when school ended at at the media school they weren't they didn't have any openings so like I went and I started working at Twill Rock it's in Kenosha Wisconsin it's a like the heavy metal station Mm -hmm. honestly it is a unique radio station it's it's owned and ran by two high school buddies they got an investor to help them buy a tower and it's literally just like friends and it's this small little family knit thing it's actually a super cool community like the people that listen and follow it's a lot of fun so it was a fun first job. I was just doing promotions in that. And um, and then, like, they voice tracked stuff in the evenings. And I just kind of sent, like, the guy a dummy one. Like, hey, like, someone's ever out. Like, this is what I can do. So I ended up – I was only there for, like, seven months. But the last 
the last three months, I um, I was voice tracking on the weekend. So like I was doing heavy metal, which mm-hmm. is not, I like mm-hmm. most brands of music. I will say heavy metal is, is not one of the ones I like. So I just <laughs> did a lot of research to make it about, about sevenfold and such. Um, and then I moved to another, and that, so that's kind of far from where I live. So then I moved to like another top 40 music station that lived like right in my area. All along, just keeping in touch with that one boss at ESPN. I would literally once a month email him, email him, email him. Like, hey, what's going on? Just checking in, seeing if there's any openings. That was it. Like, every time, just like three sentences. Um, and then finally, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half after the internship ended, and I was just working at these FM stations doing promotions and voice tracking. I never had ambitions to be a, a DJ for a music station. I honestly don't even have ambitions to host. Like I love producing and production work and, and imaging and stuff like that. So that's where my engineering, I focus myself in that. Uh, but finally, after a long time, Randy answered to one of those emails. Yes, can you come in this day next week? And I was like, ah, oh. I was actually <laughs> at another radio station when I got that email and like walked outside and like jumped up and down. Like I was so proud. <laughs> um, so I went in and, and basically after a quick couple of interviews, I got like an interview or two, I got offered the job and I've been producing there for six and a half, almost seven years now, which is crazy to think. I love it. Love the perseverance. And I- but, uh, one thing Randy said, and this was a tip, uh, like Randy is the boss that originally got me the internship and then I kept in touch with and then hired me is he said I did a good job keeping in touch and keeping relevant without being annoying he's like trust me there's a lot of annoying people he's like you were brief you had kind of a schedule when it would come he was like it was he was like you did a very good job on on staying in touch and relevant but not being annoying so it was just I didn't want to work his ear off just hey what's up I'm here let me know love it Love it. And I'm proud to say, look, I, I, I've seen Eric's worth ethics. So, you know, he definitely deserves all the success he's been getting so far over at ESPN 1000. And also some of the big things that got coming up, you've got the, the White Sox now. Um, can you tell us like some other things you guys have coming up on the station? Yeah. So like we have, if you're, it's over now, but if, if you're not, if you're a fan of our station, right around this time of year, we do this parody contest, which is so fun. People have Christmas songs, but they make oh, up yeah. their own words to sports stuff or station <laughs> relevant stuff. And as much of a hassle it is going through all the uh, submissions that come in, because <laughs> um, like, we kind of, as producers, we all tag team it because it's a massive task. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so fun and the content's great. And I, I, we're actually announcing the winner Monday. So if you want to tune into that on Monday, that is, it's always fun. Um, and I, the people will be coming on and they have to sing it live and stuff like that. Normally we do like a big event at a bar, but it's, gonna be, it's literally going to be on Zoom where somehow our engineers figured out how to attach the Zoom with the guys to our board so we can broadcast the Zoom from our, our board <laughs> over this. It's pretty fun. We'll get each See how it goes. Um, otherwise, yeah, we've got the White Sox. We have like a new, we'll have more White Sox content coming out. We're going to have like weekly shows with, with that. Stand by with more gambling stuff coming. Like we're kind of leaning heavy on the gambling stuff. So we have like a couple more, more gambling things coming down the line. Other than that, it's, it's yelling about Ryan Pace and uh, Matt Nagy. <laughs> I love it. I, prom- I, I promise, Eric, this is the last question for me. Speaking of contests, of course, you're referencing the Waddle and Sylvie show, of course, with Mark Silverman and Tom Waddle. Of course, uh, congratulations to Mark Silverman. He's cancer-free. I know the Sylvie Strong t-shirts have been selling through Ruben. Uh, is uh, benefiting um, 
the val uh, the Jimmy V validation. I'm about correct mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but right. one of your one of your coworkers that you produced that night, Adam Adala, he had to eat a worm as part mm. of a bet. Explain to us about mm. that. I found oh. it to be hilarious oh, and gosh. grossed out at the same time. Like, he is up there grossly watching us on our YouTube stream. <laughs> I can't imagine what the Adam best part was going through. He really didn't even, he didn't even lose a bet. It just came up in conversation because that's how they are about eating a worm. And, and Waddle asked Chris and Adam if they would. And Adam's like, yeah. So the next day, Waddle came with bait. From me when he went to a bait shop and came with a tub of earthworms. <laughs> and he, he, <laughs> literally, this is like, um, so Abdallah's like, all right, for every third of a, a worm I eat, you pay me 20 bucks. So he <laughs> washed off the worms and Abdallah made $180 because he ate so many worms. But yeah, he just he, he would eat them and let them slide down. It was hilarious, but it was just, he didn't even lose a bet. It was just, yeah. He, Entertain me. I have some money. Eat these worms is what it came down to. <laughs> oh, God. That doesn't shock me about Adam. That doesn't shock me at all. It's so oh, my fun. gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Eric, this has been so much fun. We got to do this again. Yes. Sometime. Absolutely. And Feel tell, free to reach out. Yeah. And, and tell, tell uh, Chris and Adam I said hello, and I still listen to him all the time, and I hope Adam's tummy still is feeling okay <laughs> after that worm <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> My gosh, <laughs> where, where people can where the people can find you on on the social media? Yeah, one of the most active ones two and actually funny. The three one two is not a Chicago thing. Like I made it before I like lived in Chicago. It, it was just my three number, my two numbers that I wore as a kid as an athlete. <laughs> so that's kind of funny now that I've I've worked in the city for like ten years. But yes, Eric O three one two. Follow me, DM me, my DMs are open, whatever, hit me up. All right. Thank you very much, Eric, for joining us here today. It's been our pleasure to have you on our program today. Uh, P.S. Tell uh, Randy Merkin that I said hello as well. And tell your program director, Mike Thomas, uh, when things get back to normal, stick our program after Chauncey's uh, outdoors on Saturday mornings. Thank you, Eric. You Love guys, you, buddy. Thank you. All right, Eric, take care, man. All right, thanks. Cool, guys. You have a good day. You fun. guys. Thank you. And, and right. feel free. Reach out. Okay. Stay safe. All right. You guys Will stay do. safe. Always. And happy holidays. <laughs> mm -hmm. Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> Wasn't that fun, Lakina? Oh, Wasn't that a great surprise? Well, well played. Well played. Like I said before, I mean, I'm proud to have known Eric. We were at IMS, mm -hmm. and it's like I see him doing good things. So. I'm very happy for him and his growing family. So happy all around. Yes. Uh, let's close this great episode out. All right. Where so, can people find you on the Twitter? Well, I'm, I'm like Eric. I'm right here. I'm, a, I'm most active on Twitter, but I am getting more active on the others too. So at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, SIDK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply downloading War on Anchor. Search for War on Anchor wherever you download your podcast, including that iHeartRadio app. Just search for War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. 
And we're also on the tube, aka YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. You can not only listen to us, but you can watch us live. Here we are. All right. And don't forget to you know, like, share, subscribe, get those likes up, get them up, get them up, get them up. Yes. Also, the views too. So for Sid, I'm LaCan. This is the second season support Zoom style, and we'll see you Monday. See you next time. Holla. <laughs>